0: Thousands of people go missing every year. Some are found quickly, alive and well. Some have met with foul play. And then there are those cases with clues few and far between that leave friends, family, and the world wondering.
1: Where are you?
2: something about face. Is a
1: goldfish? Face. A fish. fish?
2: Hmm, maybe. Maybe you're trying to make him into goldfish. She thinks we're lame. you.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, right. yeah.
2: She said Fresh french fries. Yeah, she
1: thinks they're french fries. A
2: fish. Oh, for fries. <laughs> <laughs> Eat, are you using your imagination?
0: No ice cream. Ice cream? No ice cream?
2: Goodness gracious, look at them fat knees. You got fat knees, <laughs> girl.
0: The knees. <laughs> the knees. And pants. And knees. Where's your hair? Yeah.
2: Where's your eyes? Where's your shoulders? Where's your belly? Where's your toes? Let her do it, bro. Where's your back? Where's your nose? Where's your chin? Chin. Good girl. Where's your cheeks?
0: welcome back to the where are you podcast that sounds really weird to say by myself but here we are this week's episode is going to be a little bit different Not only is it going to be the first solo podcast I put out, but it's also the first podcast where I had the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with family members of The Missing Person. They reached out to me through our Facebook page and said, hey, our brother's been missing and I'd love if you would cover it on the podcast. So we hopped on Zoom. I let them tell their story and the circumstances surrounding their brother's disappearance and I didn't really ask too many questions because I wanted to hear the raw emotion from them so I have the interview I'm going to play it for you and then I'm going to add in some information at the end I'm going to wrap it up for you and give you the information on where you can find them online how you can help them and where to reach out to if you have any information like we usually do. This week's episode feels a little odd because I don't have my co-hosts here with me. We don't have that commentary and the back and forth that we usually have. It's just the timing right now between COVID and work and house schedules didn't work out. And I still want to put out this story for this family so that we can help them find their brother. That being said, let's dive into this week's episode.
1: Hello.
0: Hi. Okay. I'm Cody, This is Bethany. Hi. Nice to meet you. Can you tell me, like, his childhood a little bit about where he grew up or your family situation?
2: Yeah. So um, we adopted Vladik and Arena in 2004 from Russia. Um, Chris and I went there with my parents. Um, he was five, and Arena was 11. Okay. Um, so he grew up. Um, his family for a time and then an orphanage. I'm not sure for how long. But yeah, then we adopted him and then um, we lived okay. in Emerson, um for the majority of his life. Um, up okay. until about high school, he moved to Claremont to live with my dad. It was high school, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Right Later around high school.
2: Mm-hmm. You know more about the timeline than I do. so I'll let you I mean, know. he's kind of gone
1: back and forth between living with my dad and our sister, Carrie, who's been in okay. different when he's lived with Carrie, uh, she's able to kind of give him a little bit more structure and, um, maybe he feels more responsibility and more motivated to work because she's she's a single mom. Um, and then when he's been with my dad, my dad, um, hasn't been as, um, pushy with him to get a job or anything. So he's been with my dad, um, since August, 2020, um, most recently living with my dad and, um, the whole time he hasn't been working or anything. Okay. Um, so they live in an apartment together by UCF, but yeah, we have a big family, total of eight siblings all together. Okay. Bethany lived with him longer than, because I never actually got to live with him because I was in college when he was adopted. So Bethany has a lot of the memories of growing up with him more than I do. I have like holiday memories and things. And I understand it, that. I'm one of seven. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. So, okay. So after, did he join the Marine Corps right after high school?
1: Um, pro- I think he might've waited a year or so because i think he was 19 when he was in the marine corps so he he uh but his goal after finishing high school was always marine corps like he was really excited and gung-ho about it and that was what he wanted to do and um when he puts his mind to something vladic is very like he can he'll do it you know even if it's hard which you know i try to kind of encourage that trait in him and other things also you know but so he really well in the Marine Corps and graduated. Um, I think he even had a marksmanship certificate, but when he graduated, um, they assigned Vladik a desk job basically. Um, and he's always been, I think, undiagnosed as ADHD. Um, and, and just, he's not the kind of guy who will sit at a computer all day and work. That's just not a good thing for him. It's not a good, it won't work out for him. So. Um, he expressed some concerns, I guess he had with, um, counselors in the Marine Corps. Um, I think he, um, disclosed some maybe previous trauma he had experienced. I don't know. Okay. I actually got the full story of what happened,
2: but he did get, um, what was it? What's the official term? I believe it's, it was defined as an honorable discharge for failure to adapt. Okay.
1: That's, okay. So that happened um, by August or September. Um, just like nine months after he graduated from the Marine Corps. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so he didn't tour overseas or
0: anything like that. No, he didn't experience any of that. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay uh well my husband he's my co-host he was also in the marine corps so a okay. you know, little bit of experience with that so i just wanted to see what his experience was and was he sure. in san diego the whole time
1: yes he was in san diego
0: mm-hmm. okay. so up until he went missing he was living with your dad in that yeah. apartment right yeah okay so you have a little bit of a break between when you think he went missing so it was like what four days or
1: something like that Right. Yeah, um, my, Bethany had a birthday trip in Tennessee that she was planning with a few friends, and uh, my parents went, and uh, Vladek was invited. They were gone for 10 days. Um, Vladek didn't want to go, and my dad didn't force them to go. Uh, so they left. Um, my dad left on the 5th of November. That was the last day he saw Vladek um and according to him um Gladick didn't give him any kind of impression that he wouldn't be there when he came back you know there was nothing okay. really unusual about them saying goodbye to each other later on that day um or overnight between the fifth and the sixth he he called uh irena his his biological sister okay. and the a five minute phone call but again didn't give her any kind of impression that he was going to do anything according to her um and then after that while my dad was gone he tried to text him or call him every day and every time vladic didn't answer his phone or didn't respond to the text messages and now i live in orlando all stephanie and i both live in orlando also um so, like, I wish looking back, I wish that my dad had said, "Hey, you want to go check on Bladik? He's not responding." Yeah. Um, didn't let me know that that was happening, um, and I didn't get a chance to check on him myself. You know, I just I'm working. You know, both of yeah. us work more than one job, and so we're we're busy. Um, so they uh, they got back on. Um, it was tuesday the 16th and vladic was nowhere to Mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't in the apartment at all it was Um,
2: monday the the 15th it was
1: monday it was monday that they got back monday the 15th vladic wasn't in the apartment at all um my that's right it was monday because my dad wanted to give him because my dad before he left told him that he was back on tuesday night so he wanted to give him a full day like you know he, he he was pretty sure Vladik would be back by Tuesday night because Vladik has never just walked off without communicating. Um Vladik had, you know, when he peeked into Vladik's room trying to figure out where he was, he could tell like Vladik left his he didn't have a lot of stuff, but he left his belongings behind. He left his cell phone behind. It um okay. It wasn't plugged into the charger, although the cord was there in the room. So the cell phone had died a while ago. Um, Okay. He had also left a pocket knife that my dad had asked him about because it was $60. And he bought it, I guess, within a few weeks before that trip. My dad said, why did you get this? And he said, this is for self-protection. And he had left that line also. Um, and then later on, when we charged his phone and we opened it up to look at it, he had unread messages from the sixth forward.
2: November All of the since. messages.
1: Yeah, there wasn't any sporadic read messages. It seemed okay. as he hadn't used his phone since then. The other thing my dad said was it was pretty clear that none of the food or the drinks in the fridge were eaten, consumed, or drank right. or any. So my dad had the impression that, you know, maybe he left shortly, very shortly after he went out of town. Um, maybe Vlad had left shortly after that, but then he put up posters um, and almost immediately he got a call from um, a guy who works as a maintenance in, in maintenance for the apartment complex. Um, who's played basketball with Vladek in the past. So he's friends, you know, casual friends with him also. He got a voicemail from this gentleman who said, hey, um, I saw Vladek on November 12th. He was sitting at the basketball courts and I talked with him for about five minutes. Um, have you guys checked the woods by the basketball courts? Because sometimes he likes to go in the woods and he'll smoke or he'll sing sometimes back there okay. so dad misunderstood the message and thought that this guy said he saw vladic go into the woods after okay. um, and so on some reports including the official police report they still haven't corrected it i don't think right. um, it's reported that he was last seen going into the woods but actually when when my dad listened to the call again that's not what was said and then in the police interview that gentleman said he saw Vlad go back into the apartment after the talk which is right next to the basketball court so that was the last sighting so there is this question of well what happened between november 5th and november 12th because you know um It's odd. It's very odd. And then um, that was the last time that we know anybody saw him. And then the time my dad was back in town on the 15th, he was no longer at the apartment. Okay. Um, So yeah, we're not quite sure what day uh, he left. It seems like it was, it just seems very sudden because he didn't pack anything Mm. very confusing to us. And like possibly also like, an impulsive thing. I don't know. Um, prior to my dad going out of town a few days before that, my brother was driving the car that they shared because he doesn't have a car. He would use my dad's car and, um, he was driving it and I guess it broke down and he made a big deal about it and was, um, also he, I guess was, Well, he didn't make a big deal, it broke down. It was like in the the middle of the night, I think like after 10 o'clock. And he was was like over an hour's walking distance from the house, but he reached out to my dad and said, hey, the car broke down. So I'm parking it here and I'm gonna walk home. And then the next morning, Bethany, you can kind of share what happened because you guys went out to look for the car and it was in a different place, right?
2: no we found it It was in the
1: place where he said it was yeah. okay um but um my dad did he did have a lot of concerns with the way that vladic was behaving and his um speech seemed maybe like manic and he was very like religiously preoccupied those days like talking about archangels and demons and i don't quite know exactly the exacts of what he was saying to my dad but my dad who is a christian man you know uh was concerned actually and was like i don't know what he's talking about and i'm a little bit worried about him and i said to him um well you can call i i, I suggested that he call the police to do a wellness check mm-hmm. just to make sure vladic was okay and he said no i'm not going to do that because vladic will know what to say so nothing will happen from that. I'm not going to do that. Just historically, um, Vladek and Irina, um, the two that were adopted from Russia, two siblings that were adopted from Russia, they, they never did get any kind of counseling or mental health intervention from any past trauma that they had when they were in Russia. Um, so that's always been a concern of mine. Um, but he said that, you know, he decided not to do the wellness check and then, um, he also let vladic decide whether or not he wanted to go and Vladik decided not to go um okay. so, so that, this, like this religious kind of
0: stuff was happening like in the couple weeks before the trip
1: yeah and well honestly um i first noticed it in the summertime but bethany says he was saying some things in the spring it was
2: okay. it was a change in character for him I'd say because growing up, he would be very materialistic, focused on getting the best like best phone, eventually the best car, best job, whatever. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of this year, he started talking about how things were a distraction and just that he didn't want any belongings of this world and that he just wanted to get to heaven and anything of this world was a distraction. And um, my dad had come into some investing, investings that profited him. So dad would let Vladik use that money um, to help homeless people or give generous tips to waitresses and waiters. Um, Vladik didn't have a job, so I feel like that's what was giving Vladik the most direction and um, Purpose. purpose during that time okay. um, and during his free time that's where he spent his free time at those restaurants or at fast food places and that's one of the reasons why he was so well known there is because these restaurants he gave 300 600 tips where waiters had to come back to the table and be like was this right and dad and vladic were like yeah it's right mm-hmm. so he was well recognized and um and he would bring in you know, people that are struggling, homeless into restaurants, sit down with them, eat with them, have a conversation with them, um, cover their meal and just give out whatever he could to the people around him. And um, I worry that someone took advantage of them seeing that generosity, um, like, like he was, he is so well recognized that when the officer that came out to take the original missing persons report, he just, he started to describe Vladik before he even saw a picture of Vladek. Um He saw a pair of gold leggings that Vladik is known to wear and they're pretty unique um, on the floor in his bedroom. And the officer was like, you know, isn't Vladik?" doesn't he usually wear like an oversized hoodie and those leggings and like slide on shoes and just a a big guy. And dad's like, yeah, that's him. And the officer was like, I know him. He came up to me and my partner just a couple months ago to thank us for our service and started having a conversation with us. And it's times like that, that we take notice because it's not very often when someone will approach us and he just seemed like a really good kid and had a good head on his shoulders. Um, and all the places where I went and posted flyers, every time I spoke with someone working at that restaurant, they're like, oh yeah, we know him. He's, he would come in here all the time. We haven't seen him since before the last sighting. Like, it's completely out of character for, and even for him to at least, not even tell Irina like his biological sister that he's fine that he like even if if he decided to just go off and do his own thing like he would at least tell her right don't worry I'm fine I'm fine just doing my own thing but she even doesn't even know where he is and she's beside herself with worry and concern like yeah never done anything like this
0: okay And, like, just stopping using his phone, has he ever done that before, or is this, like, a first-time thing?
2: He's never been super attached to his phone, but he would still be in contact with family to at least let people know, you know, return a text message here and there, that kind of thing.
1: I mean, when you say, when she says not super attached to his phone, uh, we're talking about, like, using your phone as a phone, because, like, he is... Before he kind of, before this year, when he turned into, uh, switched over to being more minimalistic and saying things were a temptation, Uh uh, he would use his, he would play games on his phone, you know, and he would watch YouTube videos on his phone. And it was a big deal for him to have the latest smartphone and he would brag about it and all. Um, And then in September, I guess it was probably around September, he purposefully broke his phone and he told my dad he broke it because it was a temptation. And so um, my dad ended up getting him a flip phone so that he would have a phone. Um, So he was less attached to the flip phone because there was not that, you know, playing
2: games on apps. and um, He didn't even want to have another phone again, but dad pushed at least that. Yeah, I mean, he was, we...
1: He was very, his room was very private. So um, he never like had family members go in his bedroom. Um, And so it was after he went missing was the first time I went into his bedroom. And this is in an apartment where he and my dad were probably living at this location for a year. Okay, this whole entire time. Apparently, he's just been sleeping on an air mattress. And when my dad has asked him, "Hey, can I can I get you a mattress? Can I get you a real bed?" He kept declining. And then finally, like just before he went missing, my dad went ahead and bought him one of those mattress in a boxes. Just went ahead and did it. And it it wasn't set up yet. It was still, I guess, um, in his closet. But like, but when we went into the room, the the air mattress had a hole in it, and it was just completely deflated on the
2: floor. It was just like
1: of you know
2: it's just been a complete switch in personality like, yeah. with how minimalistic to such an extreme degree he has got
1: yes and he's um hyper fixated i think bethany mentioned on the afterlife and um had a few conversations with my dad and at least one other person that he would talk to at like the smoky bones restaurant one of his friends a waiter who became a friend after he gave <laughs> a about, um, if you commit suicide, do you go to heaven? Do you go to hell? Um, and I think both of them told him, yeah, you go to hell if you commit suicide. And so, like, he would try to think through things, like, he would say, well, what if I just go into the woods and lay down and die? Does that count? You know, and then I had a few conversations with Carrie, um, More than a few Uh, had a lot of conversations with Carrie when he went missing because she was extremely worried. This is the sister who lives out of state that he's lived with um, several times as an adult. Okay, and she said that he actually told her um, in conversation that you know one day he's just gonna walk away and just keep walking and just walk until he just you know gets so tired and wears himself out and dies. Okay. he told her and he told my dad um, in two different conversations not they were not together in these conversations that he would not do this until my dad passed because he didn't want the family to get mad at my dad okay so blame or blame blame my dad just leaving okay that's kind of where it's like just makes us really worried, you know. Did somebody take advantage of him, um, or was he in the wrong place at the wrong time? Um, did he hurt himself somewhere in the woods, and then not was he not able to get out? Um, you know, did he commit suicide? You know, I really hope he didn't. Um, or the hyper
2: focus on heaven. I wonder if he got wrapped up into a religious group. Like I'm a Christian, I mean, we're but he was hyper religious, hyper focused, like could- cult. Like to me, that would be a scenario where there wouldn't be any sightings of him if he's finding shelter, resources, um, food, um, that kind of thing. Like we just we don't yeah. know.
1: I mean, he has not. He's not used. When he when my father left, Vladik had a debit card and I guess about a hundred dollars in cash. Okay. And he hasn't used the debit card since November fifth. Um, okay. And so if he's okay somewhere, people have to be helping him, or at least one person has to be helping him get food. Yeah. Uh, get or, or I don't know maybe because he did he made he 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 made friends with several local homeless people in the area. So I mean in my brain there's a chance I think about like there could be a chance like maybe he's staying in a homeless camp and people are helping him out, possibly. I we just we're racking our brains here. We're just trying to get answers. And you know it's it's been really tough for our family not knowing if he's okay or not during this time, especially during the holidays. And yeah. It was so, he, uh, his birthday was in December, you know, like he just has never gone more than a day without reaching out to family. Like if, if yeah. he was to go to a different place, he would let family know where he was going. He has never done. this. It's just very uncharacteristic. Okay.
0: Did he have any friends in the area that he saw on a regular basis outside of you know the people at the restaurant he, and stuff?
2: He had a very per, personal personality where he would speak with anyone around him and make conversation, and you know, make them feel, you know, allow, make sure they felt heard. Mm-hmm. But he never really established deep relationships. Um, the only friendship I would say within the last year or so of being back with dad would be with Matt from Smoky Bones. He was a wait. He's a waiter there. Okay. And started up a friendship after he gave Matt like a $600 tip and they've been talking and they've hung out on occasion. Um, when I went through Vladek's phone, um, there was a lot of messages from Matt as well saying, tra- checking in on him the week that I was gone or that we were gone. Okay. Um, and Vladek never responded to any of Matt's text messages. Like Matt probably reached out like five times over the course of, 10 days um just like hey man hey hey just checking in but there was no response to any of them and like before that they had been talk- texting back and forth
1: one thing um, that Vladik did tell my dad the day before my dad left town was look well, they were having a conversation i think he was, my dad was telling him like don't worry about the car breaking down you no, know, I have enough money to cover fixing it now. This is not a big deal at all. Um, and um, Vladik said something in passing about, "Well, I've got, I've got a plan. Something's coming together in a few weeks. You know, I'll be out of here." Um, it was really, really vague, um, but he said he had a plan. Things were coming together, and in a few weeks he would be out of there. Um, which it was just odd because you know my dad was like what are you what are you talking about where you don't have to go anywhere because you know you can still stay here with me there's no reason why you why you have to leave you know and so I think by the time they were saying goodbye to each other the next day you know my dad it was it was done and over with and it was just you know a conversational detail but my brother, Vladik says a lot of stuff that... Out of left field and never means it, half of it. Yeah, and he's kind of... He can be an impulsive liar about meaningless things, you know? So okay. it's hard to kind of know when to take him seriously, I guess, sometimes with, with things that he says he has plans to do. Yeah. And, you know, he... He wasn't working at the time. I mean, my dad already knew that he had asked. um, He did ask Matt from Smokey Bones, from what I know of, if he could stay with Matt for a little while. And Matt said it wouldn't work out. So, like, my dad, you're not working. Your friend told you you couldn't stay there. Like, it's not a big deal. You're fine here, you know. Yeah. But it is a detail about something he said and that kind of goes along with like okay well if, if he had a plan things were coming together well then you know then that could kind of lead towards maybe even your theory or not even just not just your theory but um the theory of like did he get wrapped up into some kind of a group of people
2: right. who were gonna
1: be with them and some kind of cultish group
2: who knows <laughs> you know like
1: okay. what's he talking about and um if he was when uh, the maintenance employee saw him on the basketball court on the 12th, um, I haven't been able to see his exact interview or you know read the details from it that the police have. But uh, it doesn't sound like the police. He he told the police that Vladik looked like he was living in the woods for a week and he smelled awful and he needed a shower. You know, mean, like right. he hear anything that led the police to so it was kind of like so were you staying with somebody for a week and did you just stop back for something right hitting on the basketball court because you were waiting for someone to pick you up like right we no clue all of this is just we've thought of all the theories we could think of
2: and so there we have also in passing mentioned you know just going off into the woods kind of thing. Um he's never only hiking per se that he's ever done would be living. living off in the woods, yeah. The only hiking per se that he's ever done would be with boot camp with the marines and the two hikes that he went with me on in North Carolina last year for my birthday. Um beyond that, he hasn't done any hiking, but you know, he had said, you know, maybe I'll just help homeless people and then just go live off in the woods, run out of food and water, lay down, um, and die, um, and just living without any materialistic items kind of thing. So I don't know if he went that route of just trying to live, you know, as minimalistic as possible, um, okay. you know, have any experience with that um we were talking with another nonprofit, and we were telling them you know Vladik's story and they had mentioned that they um had heard a story of a hiker called mostly harmless and they thought there was a lot of parallels with that guy's story and vladic's story about just uprooting your life one day you know just out of nowhere and then just taking off yeah. and it's like this hikers and one of his initial nicknames was denim because he was known because he was hiking the appalachian trail in jeans which is not something <laughs> hikers do. so like
1: and i he left his phone behind he was known for hiking without a
2: phone okay. and, and being kind, friendly, friendly to, to other people that kind of thing
1: but the, you want to tell him about it um, but like the end of his, that mostly harmless hikers story is that uh, he had started in New York and his goal was to hike all the way down to Key West, I guess. Okay. And he w- there was um, a body found in South Florida um, in the woods in a tent that was like a man who looked like he was like maybe 80 pounds, like skin and bones, like it just seemed like this guy just laid down and died in his tent. Um, And it ended up being this mostly harmless guy. He ended up getting identified and they found out who he was through social media, the power of social media. And like um, people created Facebook groups specifically to identify this person Um, and through pictures that, mostly harmless took with people while he was hiking when they asked for pictures and they posted on social media um they were able to figure out who this person was and identify him and all that um but just it is it is scary because yeah it's like i see parallels i hear parallels in this story and um you know just it definitely makes us Worried. It makes, I'm very worried because just for the last year of uh, the last year, it just doesn't seem like Vladik has been focused or caring at all about living, you know, like life in the moment and making okay. for, you know, life and kind of building yourself up and yeah, what, what your future is going to be. You know, like, it just seems like he was fixated on trying to be the best person he could be, you know, and do random acts of kindness. And, you know, he was really proud of how he could, how he was able to kind of give away so much money to people who he felt like needed help. He was able to help them out. Um, But every time I try to have conversations with him um, and he sounded like he was talking more about the afterlife because he would all he would say to me you know I'm not worried about dying or death I'm not scared about all that I would try to refocus the conversation and say well let's focus on like living now in the moment and you know being grateful for what we have and that kind of thing um so it just it really does make me scared for him and for his safety knowing that and you emotional will be yeah, you know, just, yeah. just frustrating because this this is exactly the kind of stuff that we shared with the sheriff's office when we made the missing persons report for him mm-hmm. and just because he doesn't have an official diagnosis of mental health and just because he's not on medication yeah you know according to their policy which is I guess very strict um they couldn't qualify him as being endangered endangered yeah it just makes me worry and it makes me think like are you are you just thinking that he is a 22 year old guy who decided to up and he doesn't want to live with his dad anymore so he's just gonna leave and not talk to anybody and that's okay because he's not breaking any rules and you're not gonna do anything Search for him because you're not worried, you know. Because you know, like, um, it just—it's hard being on the side of having someone you love missing, and and just feeling very hopeless with the situation, and not getting a whole lot of feedback from the official organ, you know, from the sheriff's office. Search it's tough. It's very tough to be on this side of things and to just be like, you know, wonder, will you ever have the answers of what's going on? And, right. you know, like, we just want to know that he's okay. Cause if it was the situation that he decided he wanted to go off and live in the woods, if he's safe, you know, and he's able to sustain himself and he's you know in his right mind mentally you know not experiencing a mental health crisis then we're okay we don't have to know specifically even where he is if he doesn't want us to know if he wants to be you know would, we just have to hear that he's okay yeah you know, that's the biggest thing. we just yeah.
0: don't know so has there has there been any like search efforts around the apartment complex like the wood section and all of that
2: um the sheriff's office say that they've searched the woods but it's a very dense woods that surround the apartment complex so i don't think they've gone in very far, if not more than 10, 15 feet, probably. Well, I mean, they did. They did do two flyovers with the helicopter. And they brought. And the thermal. Um,
1: they brought a forensics dog one night when they did the search. It was initially. raining
2: and it was dark.
1: It was raining outside. It was already dark by the time the dog yeah. got there. They didn't bring the dog another time that we know of. As, as far as we know, they only searched the woods on the property of the apartment complex twice. Um, I don't think they've searched any other woods anywhere else nearby. Okay.
2: Um, Or any trail cameras. No.
1: And, and really, since we've started to think about how he, he did, one of the things he did bring up a lot was that he did want to go live in the woods one day. You know, we started to extend pushing out on social media more than just locally in Orlando. Like we're trying to think, rack our brains, like, are there hiking groups we can share his picture with? Yeah. Braille angel groups that we can share his picture with, because if, if he's, you know, if he's staying in the woods somewhere, people have to be helping him out. And so like, um, it's just, it's, we just don't know where he is right now, but as far as we know, the police haven't gotten any good tips for two months of focusing in on Orlando. So we're trying to extend and get the word out as much as possible um and just hoping because he is so memorable with you know with people he interacts with hope hoping that um someone will remember him and someone will reach out with good tips and good information yeah
0: has anybody throughout what you've had on social media so far has anybody come up with any recollection of seeing him in the time that you were gone on your trip? Or?
2: There was, I posted on Reddit and someone messaged me saying that they saw someone that looked similar to him okay. when they were walking. But this wasn't, um,
1: this was after and he
2: was already in the state. But, but they saw was. him. Which, oh, yeah, you're right. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So they told me that they called the non emergency tip line and that they were sending a cruiser out. Um, and then my dad and I called the sheriff's office the next day to get an update. Cause we hadn't heard anything of what came about of that. And they said that there was no report on his case. So like they didn't get the tip. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if they actually went out, they sent a cruiser out or not. Apparently there's locations that, could be where this person was describing so I don't know if they sent a cruiser out to the wrong location but but yeah that was the big one which was a real letdown when they had nothing to tell me about it yeah Um, but beyond that like there have been nothing which is one
1: other there was another thing and I told them I, I left the message on the tip line about it also was um, I think like a weekend, into him being missing, maybe even less than a week, um, someone said that they thought they saw someone that looked like him and someone else, two, two, two men on bikes at a local convenience store. Um, it was like, it was on another part of town, um, probably like 10 or 15 miles away from the UCF area where uh, he was known to frequent. Um, but I did leave the tip with the sheriff's office about that. And I never heard any
2: follow-up information regarding if, if that, you know. And you got a random text message so, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. But I don't know if it's from him or not. I
1: mean, it was probably just random. I got a text message from a number that was unknown to me. It was, it was a local phone number and uh, just said, sorry, I can't talk right now. Huh. And so I texted back I said are you okay and I didn't get a response so I don't know it could have just been nothing It could have you know they could have realized I don't know but when I did a reverse phone search it was uh like someone's name came up with whose phone it was and it was like a it was a I don't know it was a name that made me think I don't think this is associated
2: with him you know uh-huh. but
1: yeah.
2: yeah we just we haven't heard any updates yeah, from orange just, county and that's the most frustrating yeah. thing like the last time that they yeah. gave us you know touched base with us was before christmas you know, okay. before his birthday and My, we've we've emailed them asking for updates and that kind of thing and just have,
1: dad says that he that he finally got a text message back from the corporal today so yeah from so December 17th to January 19th we're finally getting a response about an update or just about hey we know you're asking about if we have an update you yeah know, it's just the lack of communication is astounding it's, to me it just makes me think that yeah this case is very low on their priorities and it sucks yeah. because like we're really depending on them you know yeah. this he matters. We love very much, and we're very worried about, and we want to make sure he's okay. And are you just treating this like it's nothing? Like it's just a 22-year-old guy who decided he wanted to go somewhere else and he just left? Like it's yeah. not. If you look at the facts of the circumstance, that's that's definitely not what it was. You know, like yeah, he bring anything with him. That doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah, this.
0: yeah I would say with the way you're describing his mental state and not taking anything with him it's just a sudden drop off of communication like I would think that that would prompt more response than he's an adult and he can go whenever he wants but unfortunately, yeah I mean he, it just but, yeah uh,
1: like they didn't they didn't specifically say that to us you know right. but
2: just the way yeah. that they are communicating kind yeah. of. and we've also trying to advocate to the news stations to try to get his story more on the tv to help get his story out more yeah but, um up until now none of the news stations have been wanting to do that because there's no evidence of foul play according to the police, according to so, the police which i don't know what they've
1: investigated okay <laughs>
2: Yeah, Um,
1: but we did actually got some good news today because I got a call from a local news station um, that does want to interview us. So we're going to be with them on Monday this coming week. So we're excited about that. I mean,
2: um, so there's some small movements happening. The more we can get his face out there and his story out there, I think the greater the chances that someone will recognize him and come forward with some information is yeah he's just a very he's got such a generous heart and he just invests in people that he's around and really wants to make sure that they feel seen and heard and yeah makes an impression like there are people out there right now that know him and have seen him and if they can just know that you know his family is miss is missing him and that we don't know where he is and we are just searching for answers like I feel like if we can get his story out there and if we can get his picture out there like those people will see that and just reach out and just help us put some pieces of this puzzle together because we're just we're just searching for answers right now yeah we just need to know he's okay
0: Since speaking with Jody and Bethany, I have stayed in contact with Jody, and she passed along a little more information that she wanted to be shared in the podcast that we hadn't really covered during our interview. And she wanted to mention some drug and alcohol use since Fladek was young. He was never really the type of guy to get drunk. He didn't go to parties or bars or anything like that, but he was known to smoke weed occasionally. It was probably more of an anxiety relief versus a way to just get high and, you know, as a recreational thing, which still isn't bad. We see it now, it's more commonplace for it to be legal. And especially in the medical community, there's so many uses for it. And she just wanted me to make sure that you knew he wasn't this type of guy who was just out partying or, you know, using drugs all the time. And she said, she knows this because he was very upset with his sister, Irina, because she's been known to use other drugs. And he feels like she was off putting herself in danger. He went through a period of not speaking to her because it bothered him so much what she was out doing. And the last time that he spoke with her was the night before he went missing or she was the last person that he spoke to in his phone so it seems that maybe he was putting that to peace or you know saying he forgives her or something and that the religious thing really comes into play for them that you know he was preoccupied with this extremism in religion, with archangels and demons and all of that. And it's just, it almost seems like that would play more into it than any other outside factor. Also, since speaking with them, they have been able to get on multiple news stations. They have been on other podcasts. They're working with Night Owl Recon, which is a nonprofit that volunteers to help find missing people. And They're doing this outside of the police investigation and they are, you know, helping people get as much information out there as possible about Vladek so that, you know, more people know the story. More people can be looking out for him versus what law enforcement is doing right now um, or what law enforcement is capable of doing. Uh, We don't know exactly the parameters around that. Uh, there is a little bit of information that Jody sent over from the Night Owl Recon team that I'm going to share here for you, and then I will give you their contact information, where you can find them, and all of that. Okay, so Jody sent over this list of questions. It was for another podcast, and but it's some really good information. So there was a question that was asked about why law enforcement seems to be placing such strict parameters on the family with regard to organizing searches or doing their own investigation right now. It, it almost seems like it's law enforcement is complicated by caseload volume and workforce division. Uh, but honestly, uh, telling the family that they're restricted in doing searches and things like that seems a bit odd. Uh, I, it's something that I would question. It's um, I know it's something that, eli and logan would question and that that commentary there would take up a big chunk of this podcast episode um another question was brought up about vladic's phone records if anything was able to be recovered from them the family was very proactive with this as soon as they realized he was missing his phone had been shut off they reached out to the phone company got the phone records ahead of time instead of having to wait uh, for law enforcement to request that it would it could take months to years to get all of that, if you go the law enforcement route. So, very, very proactive on the family for being able to think ahead to look out for that, and you know to go searching for that information themselves unfortunately at the time Vladik was only using a basic phone he didn't have a smartphone so there's no you know tracking like find my iphone type of thing uh he didn't have like a social media footprint there there just wasn't a lot to track from his phone but they were able to see you know the call history and things like that and see exactly when his last call was made which happened to be you know, just after midnight, uh, the morning of November 6th. And that was with his biological sister, Irina, uh, according to her, you know, the conversation was unremarkable. It was not an unusual time for them to speak. So it wasn't like he was calling her in the middle of the night out of nowhere when they usually talk during the day. So it really, it was just an unremarkable phone call. Nothing seemed unusual, except that it was the last one. They have been doing their own analysis, digging into creating patterns, trying to establish, you know, a timeline and places of interest that Vladik could be. And they did want to let uh they they were actually interviewed for another podcast and they gave a lot of information out and there's just a few things that i wanted to note here on what they have said and one thing is that they say it's plausible that Vladik was either prompted or decided abruptly to leave the apartment there's a distinct lack of preparation which given his standard behavior of uh, being giving contemplative contemporous, is not unusual however it does suggest he would have limited resources by which to use move or operate in or out of society There are those questions. Did he suddenly embark on a self-imposed hermitage to pursue his religious beliefs? Did he leave and subsequently see something which prompted him to travel alone? Did a yet unidentified witness or group ask him to leave his apartment? Was this part of Vladik's vague plan, which he alluded to in conversations with his family prior to his disappearance? All of this is plausible at minimum. That said, we'd like to know what specifically prompted him To physically leave his apartment that day. So. If any listeners. Saw him or someone fitting his description. Around town. Doing something as mundane. Like as ordering coffee. They would like to know. They would also like to note. That in the weeks. Prior to his disappearance. Vladek was watching a YouTube pastor. That was specifically speaking. Of the afterlife and archangels. And. If anybody had known of a pastor, a religious figure, a YouTuber has posted videos on these topics in that time frame, it would be extremely helpful to know who it is. We don't know specifically who Vladik was watching. It was just that it was someone on YouTube. That was all that the family knows. And knowing who the person is, And the context of their other videos could give potential leads on Vladek's whereabouts, his state of mind, where he could have been led in this time period. Lastly, the Night Owl Recon team wants people to be on the lookout in the Orlando area for any local homeless populations because... Vladik may be amongst those people. If he's continuing in his charitable behavior, it is possible he's interacting or living amongst the local unhoused population. So, if you see someone who matches his description or resembles him in any way, you know, make sure that you say something. Reach out to the family in their Facebook group, or to Night Hour Recon, or you know, to the non-emergency number in the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Just, just reach out. If you see something, say something. It's as simple as that. Vladek's family does have a Facebook group that they are constantly posting updates to. They're sharing information about him. They're sharing photos of him. They're sharing everything that they possibly can so that he can be found in the quickest way possible. The Facebook group can be found at facebook.com slash groups Slash find vladic That's F-I-N-D-V-L-A-D-E-K. All right. You can search find vladic in the search bar on Facebook. It'll bring it up. Go there. Join the group. Invite members. Share with anybody in the Florida area. They're also on Instagram and Twitter. And just... If you see anything or if you can share with anybody, the more people that see his face, that see his story, the more people that can be on the lookout. And that's exactly why we started this podcast, because we have stories that people have not heard. And if people don't know about it, they can't help you. So take this podcast take their Facebook group, take their Twitter page, say anything, share it on Reddit, share it in your email, share it with your friends and family, spread it as far as you can and get the word out and help them find their family member, okay? So I'm just going to wrap this up. Thank you for listening today. I really hope that we can get everyone back together for the next episode and you can have your usual commentary that we have going on because I know that both the boys would have had a lot to say and to share on this story and unfortunately we, we just weren't able to get together. Until the next case, I'm your host Stacey and this is Where Are You? Brian Vladek Hassel is 22 years old. He has blondish brown hair and blue eyes. He's 5'8 and weighs between 210 and 230 pounds. If you see or have any information on Vladek's whereabouts, you're asked to contact the Orange County Sheriff's Office non-emergency number at 407-836-4357 reference case number two one zero eight three eight six four Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Where Are You? You can help us spread the word about this case by sharing the episode with a friend, leaving a review, or tagging us on social media at where are You Pod. Got a case you'd like us to cover? Head on over to our website, WhereAreYouPodcast.com, and you can leave a case submission right on the main page. Until next week, be kind, pay attention, and question everything.